Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones. And you know what? I'm going to start even before introductions. I want to start with the news because this is something that I don't think we've ever in our lifetimes could say that we've been in. We're sitting in the midst of a global pandemic. So I feel like I am literally in a sci-fi twilight zone right now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I'm not joking. I mean, that is oh. so not a joke. And the first voice that I heard that backed me up, I'll let you go first. Welcome back, <laughs> Lee. Shut, um, shut up, uh, watch. Um, so I'm going to go with the first voice that I heard in the background, other than my watch that just yeah. interrupted me. I'm going to say, welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Well, thank you, sir. And I, yeah, I just can't keep quiet. But yeah, you, you, you have said a true thing for for a lot of us who are fans of a a certain genre of science fiction uh, book and movie. It's it has been the Omega Man. It's I Am Legend. It is all of those uh, you know empty city kind of things. If you live in a big city, you're, you're out in the streets and there's nobody there, and you 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 can't not think of films like uh, Omega Man or I Am Legend. So there you go. So how have you been? I know, you know, in your work profession, you do predominantly work from home and a lot of the things that you do. So how has this been for you? Eerily the same as always. Yeah, my wife and I both work from home. So we are our work partners and life partners. And so, yeah, we're 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 almost always here. And um, the biggest thing has been helping um, our, our girl through uh, trying to do her school online. Uh, and that, and her teachers are not, we're not prepared for this, you know, and, and like who is, you know, but yeah, so in a lot of ways it's, it's business as usual for us so far. Well, good to hear. And I want to also yeah. welcome back Mr. Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing good, man. And, uh, yeah, I guess since, you know, we can't meet in person anymore, we have to use this thing called Skype. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause we can't convene in person like we do every week. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is real weird talking to you over Skype. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, but, you, you brought up something interesting, Clarence, in the fact of it's amazing how technology is kind of branching and b- bridging and bringing people together, I think, in more ways than we've ever realized in a way. Mm-hmm. Lee mentioned uh, his child and you know schooling from home online and you know lee you do that you know that's what you do right <laughs> but but it's funny seeing people scramble or companies scramble to get their um work from home implementation in place and you know i think it's been a fairly good transition for the company i work for us you know fingers crossed it's been so far so good and i hope it continues that way but you yeah, know here, here. i'm a loner anyway so i'm, I'm fine <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the joke has been made by many of my introvert friends. Like, the, the, everything has turned out the way I've always wanted. Yeah. The meek have inherited the earth. But, <laughs> yeah, I guess I've assumed because you work with computers that you can just do that at home. But uh, that may be terribly naive. Yeah, for the most part, it's no big deal. But it is good to, you know, physically be in the same room to hash some ideas out sometimes. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's going well so far. Yeah, I'll second that. I've seen people who are not used to dealing with the remoteness and I think it's, it's, it's forcing people to utilize technology that's readily available. And, you know, I hope we see 
the end of this sooner rather than later. But I'm curious to see once this is all over and we do go back to whatever normal is going to be, because we don't quite know what normal is going to be yet. No. What will the new normal be? Right. But when we get to that new normal, I'm curious to see if some of the lessons we've learned of connecting remotely, if that does indeed change our society in some some way. I, I can't imagine that it will have no effect. You know, I, I just that is inconceivable. <laughs> There's going to be some effect. But I'll tell you already that some of my my colleagues who uh, I, I'm I'm unusual in my uh, my university department that I teach online and my colleagues this week have been seeking my help in moving their classes online, which I've been only too happy to give. But again and again, what I hear from them is they're saying, dude, I had no idea how hard this is. You know, hats off. I had, <laughs> you know, so there's a, yeah. there's a new respect for uh, Shackleford now that there was <laughs> so, anyway. So there's that. I mean, well, hey, but, uh, I, you know, I think I could speak to anybody listening to this podcast. We all have a respect for Mr. Shackleford. As well, you should. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, more seriously, like groups like my church, there uh there are a lot of folks uh who have we, we've said, you know, well, how would you like to do something online once you know, and the, the 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 cry goes up, no, not a chance. Well, now we don't have any choice. And so <laughs> yeah. the first time I set up the big Zoom for everybody, I said, "Oh, this is nobody's going to come to this." Well, 35 people came to it. Wow. Of a congregation of 70. So That's pretty awesome. I said, you know, yeah. And then the next Sunday, there were even more. So, yeah, nice. I, I think you're right, Kyle. I, th I think we're, when when this is all over, and may it be soon, yeah, people are going to look at things a little differently than they used to. Right? Yeah, and, so, and if, if I were to hope for one good thing to come out of this, it would be like the expansion of broadband internet throughout mm -hmm. the the United, the vastness of the United States. That's right. Because we see it's needed right now. So, yeah, maybe that can be a good to come out of this. Well, Elon Musk has surrounded us with tiny satellites. So that's, <laughs> Starling. that's his plan. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's all going to happen, man. So there you go. Well, I want to say, I know that we have listeners in Ireland. We have listeners in the UK. I'm sure there's hopefully people in other countries of the world that we've not heard from yet. And I know, of course, that we have people here in the U.S. So who, wherever you are, our hope is that you stay safe, you follow whatever your local guidelines are, and that you and your family weather this however long this is going to be. We're still going to be making content because, like I was telling the two gentlemen on this podcast with me, this is mental therapy for me. This is yeah. getting, you know, doing something normal. And, you know, we're not doing this just for fun, but even though it is fun, <laughs> it it's is. also <laughs> mental therapy, at least for me. And I'm sure it is for hopefully the two of you, but also, you know, for everyone listening, we're going to, as long as we can, continue making podcasts. So that being Good. said, we want to wash our hands, right, Lisa? Exactly. Yes, we do. And what should we do, perhaps? You know, we've got to well, plug something. So what just should we washing do? Your, wash, washing your hands is boring, right? Oh, and, absolutely. Um, you could be, you could have a moment of mindfulness and pay attention to what you're doing, or you could be distracted while you're doing it by cheerfully listening to a podcast that our friend and hero Shannon Perry has uh, created for the, the pure sake 
of having something interesting to do while you're washing your hands for 20 seconds. So she's invented a podcast series called Listen, Rinse, Repeat. And um, look for that on your podcatcher. And it is literally, it, it can't possibly be 20 seconds every episode. There's going to be a little little frame that this goes in. But a lot of us who create uh, narrative content for podcasts have climbed on the bandwagon, creating little things for you to listen to for 20 seconds. So already Kyle and I are in some of them, which means that the call for Clarence Brown can't yes. be too far in the future. Listen, rinse, repeat. Find that on your a favorite podcatcher right now. And, and uh, we're, we're assuming that what's actually going to happen is that people are going to download them all and binge them. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have very, very clean hands. Very clean hands. And I think that is, you know, of course, this is fun to make. But I think, Shannon, and everyone who's contributed, the big message here is if you have been out and about, come back home, wash your hands, 20 seconds, lather, repeat, be done and be safe. That's, that's the message here. That's the message. Yeah. We're just doing it in a, in a cheerful, uh, you know, forward looking way, but yeah. Awesome. So, well, I have another piece of news for you guys. And it was something that I had a lot of fun this weekend watching slash watching social media. There was a live streams per se of day of the doctor. And hmm. with Day of the Doctor, Stephen Moffat live tweeted as it was being aired. And there was also a new introduction before it started, which was really, really cool. It was a stuffed Strax. It basically Dan, uh, say his name for me, somebody. Dan, Dan, Dan Starkey. Yes. He was basically introducing us to Day of the Doctor, talking about everybody being stuck at home, and we were about to watch the Day of the Doctor in, you know, in character as Strax. But, <laughs> but Strax was basically a stuffed Strax kind of just off the, you know, like in the frame and then in the background at the end of it, you hear Vastra say something, Strax, come here, where are you or something? And then that's <laughs> the end of it. Nurse. Because that's cute because you remember that um, if you saw Day of the Doctor in the theaters, that Strax also introduced uh, that film as well. Yes, indeed. Do you remember that? Yes, with this little, uh, with the insight that popcorn feels pain. <laughs> yes. Well, Never forget that. When we are recording this, this is March the 24th. And in just two days, considering that I just mentioned Day of the Doctor with the fantastic Stephen Moffat, we have. On March 26th, the 15th anniversary of Rose hitting the airwaves in 2005. Mm. So we're going to have another live watch through. And this time there's supposed to be a prequel called Rose the Prequel written by RTD. And on social media, there will also be a live tweet watch as, you know, everyone's watching through it by RTD. Interesting. That ought to be interesting. I've never really done the live tweet-alongs, or if that's what you want mm -hmm. to call it. Have either yeah. of you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always love a, a live tweet of anything, and uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. No, I haven't had the pleasure, man, um, especially since TV is so disjointed these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can definitely remember it early on in the early days before, you know, uh, online streaming blew up. But yeah, as of late, no, not as much. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you, Clarence. I really yeah, haven't either. I, 
I think Twitch has sort of emerged as being the leader in that, uh, that a lot of things turn up on Twitch. As a big fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000, I'm often in the in Twitch slash MST3K where they'll uh, they'll be watching. We'll we'll all watch an episode together and and talk about it as it goes along. So, so I'm going to throw out a word that I keep hearing people mention, and I have no idea. I know it's on Facebook, I think. So I'm going mm. to challenge us as we are stuck in. Home, <laughs> homeward bound or whatever for a while. A watch party. I want to have a watch party. Whatever the heck that oh, yeah. is. I want to oh, have yeah. a watch party. Oh, it just means that we all agree that we're all going to watch the same thing at the same time. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we say and go, you know, and, uh, hit the go button and, uh, and then, yeah, you stay on online and talk about it. So yeah, it's, it's, it would be like, uh, everybody chatting with, uh, it on, uh, uh, Twitch or something like that, except that they're, Aren't the people who are just coming into the conversation saying, woohoo, woohoo, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> gotcha. For everyone listening, I want to throw out one last thing to you before I ask these gentlemen one more question before we move on. So we want to hear from you. So what are you doing to survive this self-imposed isolation time? What are you watching? What Doctor Who episodes have you been watching? If you want to leave us a voice message, you can definitely do that by calling 805-850-3946 and leave us again a voice message. Or you can find us on any of the social medias by looking up at Discussing Who. So, yes, we definitely want to hear from you. Let us know. Stay connected with us, because like I said, we're going to be here. So, guys, one last question before we get into the review. Any other items in the news or at our at our introduction that you'd like to bring up? It occurred to me that how great it would be to ask our listeners, our devoted fans, what do you think? What is it? Why do you care? What is it about Doctor Who that keeps you coming back? Is it something about... The basic concept? Is it something that you feel like the show has to say in the long run? So it, it's in theory, I guess the theory here is it's got to be about him, her, them. And, and, and Doctor Who is unique, of course, because our hero has been a lot of different people. There's got to be something that makes all of them the doctor. That's what we want to try to figure out. So think about that and write to us at discussingwho at gmail.com and or you can call us on the phone and that number again is Mr. Jones. 805-850-3946. But you know what we're also here for when we're talking about connections and connecting with these different characters is maybe trying to figure out how characters might connect for all we know the very first time inside a TARDIS. What might would happen if they were stuck inside a TARDIS? So what might that be? And that's why we're here tonight. I say, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into the review. What do you say? Shall we sound the spoiler warning? I mean, it's an episode from 1964, but you know, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you think I want to say the spoiler warning? Oh yeah. What am I saying? Of course you do. Okay. A so question. Since, since you asked me so nicely, I will say <laughs> if you have not seen the edge of destruction from 1964, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. 
Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers. All righty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Edge of Destruction. This was the third ever story of all Doctor Who, and it was aired on the 8th and the 15th of February, 1964. So, some review. Clarence Brown, what did you think of this story? <sighs> um... I don't know, man. It was not my favorite. It was not my favorite. I, I midway through, I started to wonder why we were reviewing this. One. Yeah, but but I will say it, it does uh, very much an interesting concept being locked away in the TARDIS of all places and having this distrust, which we've talked about on many other episodes. A few new who ones that I'm thinking about. But but yeah, um, what happens when nobody in the TARDIS trust each other? I guess is kind of what I got out of it. Interesting, interesting. Right. <laughs> <What you> guys? <laughs> Lee, well, uh, it, and it's not my favorite either. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was irresistible, and I suggested we talk about this because a lot of people are trapped inside their homes and they're going crazy. And I thought, hey, let's talk about that episode where they were all trapped in the TARDIS and they were going crazy. Ah, so uh, yeah. that's really the only uh, r rationale for this. But, you know, as um, uh, our friend Louis Trapani always likes to point out, and I think he's quite right, that you, you have to view these things in the perspective of the, the time and place in which they were created and presented. The, 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 the show uh, Verity Lambert and everybody else were told that we're gonna, that we may only do 13 episodes this first year. And we already have 11 on the books. So we need to come up with two more episodes, just two. <laughs> and we need them quick and oh, there's no money. So this is the challenge is to come up with an episode that won't cost anything, meaning it won't have any guest cast and they can't leave the standing set that they have, which is just the TARDIS. So given that, you know, I think this is an interesting way to, to deal with the challenge. And we know. You know, the Star Trek shows, you know, often got into the same corner, you know, and yeah. we're out of money. We would have figured out something to do that, you know, we can do inside the Enterprise and uh, that kind of thing. All that we have so far is the Stone Age one that begins with Unearthly Child and then the Daleks. And now there's this. What I think is, is noteworthy about this and what I like about it is that this is the first time to take seriously these four characters as people. They're not just being pushed around by the events of the story. But it's like, what if you lock the four of these people up and in turns they're behaving very strangely, but in their moments of lucidity, what did they do? What relationships form? And it does. It changes everything. The show is different from here on out. The doctor's relationship with the, with his companions is different from this moment forward. And, th and I think that's fascinating. You know, it's, it's like so many other things with Doctor Who. Nobody planned that. This episode was put together in a big hurry, but it, it did. It changed everything. So, uh, that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my, my quick overview of it. I, I, I admire it for that reason. Now, does it have a big fat cop out at the end? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. This is all because the spring and the switch broke. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> the most sophisticated machine in the universe. And it's got a spring under the switch that could send it hurtling back to the beginning of the universe. Well, that's a <laughs> sort of a design flaw, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
It's also labeled oh, a magic boy. marker, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. For the people in it, it's interesting. Yeah. So what, what, what's your quick take? Kyle? All right. So I've tried to watch this one before, mm-hmm. you know, and I knew it was a two part story, but the first time I tried to watch it, I got about 15 minutes into the first part of the two part and I stopped and probably went on to another first doctor or second doctor story or what. So Clarence, yeah. I definitely feel you where you were like watching it and feeling like, why are we watching this? Because I was watching it again today thinking, Oh wow, this is so melodramatic and so, and I'm like, eh. but then I remembered orphan 55 and then it was like, Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So relativity. I do, I do have to say though, once I got to the second part, there were things that I saw laid as groundwork for that I really like. Is it the best of the best? Absolutely not. But it is a stage play to me. That's that Mm -hmm. it felt like someone was recording the actors playing their characters on stage. And that was what it was. And for all intents and purposes, that is what it was. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now th- there are some things in it that I found were, were very interesting as far as like set design and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I- I've never seen a bed in a TARDIS. <laughs> and I think somebody like maybe Dave Cooper is going to correct me, but I think this is really where we see outside the control room for the first time. Interesting. Yeah, it was really cool seeing that. I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, if I pick some highlights out uh, here from the jump. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a, a shot where, uh, we see Susan and Barbara on those uh, groovy couches and the doctor moves around to another door and looks in and we see that Ian is, uh, resting on uh, another one. So it, it, it's like we understand where everybody's bedrooms are now. We, we, yeah. we didn't know that before. Uh, yeah, the guys are down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the doctor sleeps hanging from his heels or something. I, we don't know. <laughs> Before I ask this question, let me preface by saying I know this was made in the 60s and I know mm-hmm. that styles of acting have changed in the some odd almost 60 years since. That being said, what did you guys think of Susan's character? I'm not saying a Carol Ann Ford on how she portrayed the character she was portraying as she was told to portray at the time. What did you guys think of Susan's actions? No, no. Susan's hysterical screaming is, is one of the things that I'll have to say, I don't like this episode because (laughs) I I can only take so much of it, but it's a, it's a, it is a funny thing. It's almost like a, a, I don't know, a national flavor or something because I watch things like um, space 1999 and UFO. And sometimes there will be whole episodes where I swear half of the action is women in pain screaming. And I just think, is this a British thing that I don't get? Because this is not (laughs) interesting to me. I just want, I just want them to be okay. And I understand we're supposed to feel for them, but my heart went out to them when they started screaming that I don't need them to keep doing it. I don't, why are we, why is that supposed to be cinematically interesting? You know? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. That's Claire, I've often wondered think? about. Uh, I don't know if the screaming bothered me all that much. I guess I was just expecting it. 
but, but you know, it, it did get annoying at some point, mm. I guess. But but I, I do think what I found interesting about uh, Susan in this episode and maybe all the characters with that matter is like the range of what they have to do. They go from being semi-trusting to being deceitful to wanting to kill each other to mm-hmm. <laughs> and dropping back and forth. But but they actually do this wide range of acting. And I thought for, you know, for what we got in the time, I think they did a good job of, of especially her because she was wielding a knife at the scissors at some point. So I feel mm-hmm. like her jumping back and forth. I, I kind of enjoyed that. I really liked her portrayal there. It's a huge range. It's really you're right. It's really is. You know, and again, I go back and say that she was doing what she was instructed to do and how she was directed to do by the director. But one of the things that I find interesting, she reminds me a lot. If you go back and you read some of the early Marvel comics here in the U.S., which ironically, these comics were created around the same time as Doctor Who. You look at Sue Storm. You look at Jean Grey. Their predominant purpose in those first couple of years were be were to be rescued by the men, and and to call and to call them darling and my sweet. Yes, yeah. you know, and to cook cookies and whatever and whatever, and go fetch stuff and what you know, and mm-hmm. and so it's. I think it was just characteristic of the time that they were in. I, I think that's really true. And yeah, it is something about uh, the the '60s Marvel comics that makes me absolutely bananas. To, uh, to to see Sue Storm, for example, um, you know, b- bringing coffee to the other three members of her team, and she's wearing an apron <laughs> over her <laughs> uniform. It's like, yeah. oh, for God's sake! It's like it's almost as if this was all written and drawn by men, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah. Well, well, definitely a sign of the times that this came out is for the fact that the doctor had to tell them there was 10 minutes left when there really was five because he didn't want to frighten them. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered about that, too. I thought that is not a signally huge difference to me. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But you know what it does to me straight, you know, (laughs) you know what that does? It 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 right there in the third series or the third serial story, whatever you want to call it, of Doctor Who, they set rule number one, the doctor lies. I think we've I think we've had that already. Oh, probably so. Yeah. We probably had I mean, that in, in the, the first episode. In the Daleks, he tells them, you know, that the that the, the part of the ship is broken and we've got to go to that city and fix it. And it, that's all just because he wanted to go to the city and see what was there. Well I mean and, he, he he completely lies to them and puts them all in danger doing it. Yep. And Barbara and he, brings it up again in this in this story. He lies to, so. to Ian and Barbara in the very first episode about Susan not being in the TARDIS. So Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and and you guys like you constantly call this tea time, and you know I, I believe what you're saying here. But in the <laughs> these are some of the earliest Doctor Who episodes we have, and so far I've seen a Doctor trying to kill a guy with a rock, and Susan <laughs> trying to uh, 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 thrust Ian with some some scissors. So hey, exactly. you know a different type yeah. of tea time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it is uh, it is part of the the lore of this episode that uh, Verity Lambert uh, caught all kinds of hell about the scissors. Really? Uh, yeah. That 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 was a flat violation of uh, production code, and uh, you know the only way they got away with that was because they were making this episode so fast. You know that I don't think there was time for the usual review. 
Yeah, I'm not sure I entirely understand the logic of production codes like that, but yeah, she, she, you're not supposed to have anybody on the show pull a pull a knife on anybody else when they're supposed to be the good guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and so Susan should not be uh, threatening uh, Ian with uh, or Barbara with scissors. So no scissors and no Apple devices if you're the bad guy. I got it. Right. <laughs> got you. That's, that's right. That's right. Something I'm curious about, because you're talking about good and bad guys. Either of you, both of you, any of you, whoever, get the feel that when you were watching this, that somebody was being mind controlled. And then all of a sudden, it just like, oh, let's go another route with this. Well, they, they speculate about that. I mean, uh, Susan says, uh, you know, Barbara says, how could something have gotten in here? And Susan said, inside one of us. Yeah. That's where I thought they were going with the story. See, uh-huh. me too. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe, I don't know if that's misdirection or if that's just the uh, this uh, scriptwriter uh, uh, going down a dog leg and then abandoning it or don't know. Maybe it was... If we reveal that there is a monster controlling and we don't have the money to make the, a monster and or to hire someone else, mm-hmm. you either have to write your way out of it or come up with another idea, maybe. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And so maybe that is what happens in the in the second part of this story. But uh, yeah, which, I, you know, I, I guess we might as well get to. I mean, there there isn't a villain in this piece. It, it's the TARDIS trying desperately to tell them that something's wrong. And in this story, Ian and Barbara, the humans, put forward the idea that the TARDIS is intelligent. And it's the doctor who says no. He says yeah. it's a machine. Mm. So what do we what do we think about that? The doctor lies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, and I think the conventional wisdom is, or what I've, you know, what I've seen from other fans over the years is that he doesn't know. Ah, I have a theory. Yeah. Like to hear my theory. I, absolutely. So when the doctor's mind was wiped after being a fugitive of the Jadoon and right. after she had seen the, what would be the 13th doctor and she returned to face whatever happens on Gallifrey and after she, well, actually Gat killed herself. We, we, we get that. She is then mind wiped to start a new regeneration cycle. And part of the knowledge that she lost was the fact of what the TARDIS is. Perhaps. I'll buy it. Yep. <laughs> Perfectly. See, I'm in trying to embrace the I new know. reality. You got the, yeah. You're, you're, you're trying to help Chibnall along here. I, no, I'm trying to I embrace the new reality. Embrace the new reality. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate the spirit of it anyway. But Don't give me more credit than what I'm worth at the moment. <laughs> but, you know, I've always loved it in that very first episode, that in Unearthly Child, uh, before they even get inside the TARDIS, uh, Ian touches it and he can feel it vibrate. But he doesn't say it's vibrating. He says it's alive. And I've always thought that was an interesting choice. And then here he is, you know, however long later, where all this stuff is still strange to him, but he he still thinks of the TARDIS as being a living thing. But it's the doctor who says no. Well, he, he says he can think like a machine thinks. But what happens in the episode is that the TARDIS is uh, trying to get their attention, which doesn't sound like a machine to me. So considering the fact that there is not a lot of story to this were there any parts or things that stood out 
So I, rather than, than, than continue going through the story, we know kind of you yeah. know, what happens. They survive. Was there anything <laughs> that. This was not the last episode of the series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that stood out to you uh, that you guys made notes about. And Clarence, I'll start with you. Well, well, Lee mentioned that this show or the interaction between these characters is n- never the same after this. Um, and me not having personal experience with, you know, a lot of the following episodes. But I will say the treatment of Barbara in this episode just made me feel icky for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor really treats her bad and you can tell that she is not with it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I just felt sorry for her treatment. And, you know, you mentioned Ian and her actually deducing or trying to or having the best reasoning for what's going on and actually being right about it to some extent. Uh, I really just feel bad for her for this episode being probably the smartest person in the TARDIS. But mm-hmm. yet she's treated like, you know, like I guess the child or I'm not going to say you know, treated yeah. very badly by a man. I put it like that. <laughs> yes. And wrongfully it, so. That's right. It, it, it is mansplaining to a, to a terrible extent. And, uh, but there is the counterpoint of that is this glorious moment where she stands up to him and calls him a stupid old man. And she <laughs> yeah. says, you, don't let me remind you of how he saved you in the cave of the skulls. And let me remind you of how he saved you in the city of the dialects. You ought yep. to be down on your knees. <laughs> yep. You're yep. like, yes. <laughs> and the episode literally ends with him coming back to her and he proud as he is stubborn as he is he has to sit down and admit that he was completely wrong and he shouldn't have done that yeah and she's big enough to accept it and and that's who they're going to be from now because he's willing to come back to her and and humble himself and uh, it, it's a, it's a really an extraordinary moment. I watched this afternoon. Our, our friend uh, Seska says I watched her reaction to this, and she's she's crying at the end of that. She's saying, "Look at this! How sweet is that <laughs> that the yeah. doctor actually goes back to her because he didn't he didn't have to. That's not in his nature. But he's now judged that she's worth it. Yeah, and, and you could tell that right after everything started going right for the group for the TARDIS crew, he, he was ready to move on. He was, yeah, I thought that's he right. was not yep. going to apologize. <laughs> nope. like, oh, he's not going, oh, please. But no. he did it. So did it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he was either. Yeah. So I, I do love that about it. I love uh, Barbara <laughs> standing up to him <laughs> and telling him how it is. Cause she's right. You know, Absolutely. and, uh, yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's a big moment and it does color the rest of the series from then on. I was trying to think there was something else about this that I wanted to bring up, but I can't think of what it was. So I don't know. What I liked about this was this was the first time you ever had the companion and the doctor or the set of companions and the doctor come together and to a, and to be a cohesive unit. And I mm-hmm. liked that because yeah. that was the first time. And again, setting the groundwork of what's to come. And I did like the way he did say I'm wrong and go back and apologize. Yeah. And even they followed up again, even after he did his initial kind of, yes, I apologize to you. You were right. And she got up and walked off. Then he follows up and says something further. So mm-hmm. I, I liked that. I, I really, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead. No, no, no not at all. <laughs> No, now I was just going to add that um, it also reminded me a lot of Midnight in in the sense of having all of these 
people trapped and when we can't figure out what's going on or who is causing this situation, what do we do? (laughs) We turn on each other. Turn on each other. Yep. That's right. Oh, next week on Discussing Who, Midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Part two. (laughs) Part two. Yeah. But you're right. That is the other great uh, trap people in a box and see what happens to them. And I, I don't know. That's very true. I, I, I remember what the other was the thing was that I was going to point out was that it's unusual in an adventure serial like this to to take notice of the fact that people's clothes get dirty and they get torn. You, you think about how rarely you actually see that. I mean, uh, in a lot of uh, series, uh, people are wearing the same clothes all the time, even if they're supposed to be stranded on an island or something. And, you're th- and, and you have to point, think uh, Gilligan's Island, Gilligan's Island, for example, which, you know, was, was you know, a, a slapstick comedy, of course. But you do have to start saying how look at how bright the red is in Gilligan's shirt. You know, <laughs> how are they doing that? You know, shouldn't this all just be brown by now? This first few episodes of uh, Doctor Who, they're taking seriously. They're they're keeping an eye on when uh, uh, Ian gets part of his uh, his sweater torn, and so in this episode, it's still like that from uh, the City of the Daleks. And Barbara's got uh, you know uh, rips in her leggings now. So at the end of this, everybody's getting new clothes. <laughs> and, Interesting. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of cool. And, uh, of course, the next thing that's going to happen is Marco Polo, where they're g- they're going to get all new clothes, which we of course can't see because it's, gone. it's lost, it's gone. But still, oh, I thought you said we couldn't see their clothes. I'm like, what? what? Tea time? Yeah, yeah. Not definitely tea not time. tea time. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we just we we do actually we can see their clothes, and that's how we know that they got all Chinese kit because. Um, we do have some photos from Marco Polo showing the gorgeous, gorgeous costumes for the, that were made for that serial. And uh, yeah, we just we don't have that anymore. But uh, talk about tea time. Th- this is the episode which uh, if people know the uh, sort of backstage lore of making Doctor Who that uh, after they had they had worked together enough now that um, William Russell and uh, Jacqueline Hill and uh, Caroline Ford had started teasing William Hartnell about him blowing his lines oh, from yeah. time to time. <laughs> and uh, this was, of course, as time went by, this is going to stop being funny when he couldn't remember, you know, his lines from one minute to the next. But uh, but yeah, this is the this is the episode where he, he got some of his own back by cracking them up where he's supposed to say the fault locator. And he said the fornicator. So <laughs> but he did that on purpose. Anyway, funny. Yeah, funny. Yeah. So did either of you have a, your, a favorite quote? I know we didn't say we were going to do this, but I'm just curious if you have one from this. I, I'm trying desperately actually to find that exact that whole speech of Barbara's. But I'll just say that it's that whole speech of Barbara's a- and the speech the doctor makes about the, the solar system being created really is one of the, the most beautiful speeches I think ever written for the show. And, and, and Hartnell, who, you know, we can say he couldn't handle the big speeches and that kind of stuff. He's terrific in this. I mean, he's, he's, he's crying at the end. It's just, it's gorgeous. Great, great moment. Cool. Well, the only thing that I found for quote worthy, I agree with everything you said. One that really stood out to me was one man's law is another man's crime. I just thought that that was very thought provoking. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah, and he says something like, you go sleep on that, Chesterton. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, okay. Did either of you have a favorite scene? I don't think I had a favorite scene. I also had a favorite thing. 
I like the food replicator machine thingy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. That's the first time I've ever seen that in any TARDIS. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, <laughs> you know, they were trying to get water out of it. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Well, my yeah, question I, was, is this a water replicator? That <laughs> looked like the only thing it did. It's, there, yeah, there are more well, buttons. Yeah, but it's got labeled water on it in two places. Like it's something from the uh, 1966 Batcave, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of puzzled by that. But I do think those pouches are cute, cool. I really want a yeah. little water pouch. So, but yeah, I think we saw that in uh, Daleks in the previous serial. I have to go. We have to go back and look at Daleks again. I actually haven't watched that in a long time. But uh, all right. So if I were to ask you guys. To do our final rating of this, what mm. would you rate this story on a scale of one to five? And Clarence, why don't you go first? What would your final rating be? Hmm, interesting. I think I'd rate it two and a half scissors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Lee, what would you say? I'm going to give it uh, three squishy pouches of water. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Any reason why? (laughs) Well, it it, it is sort of a landmark episode in some ways, but in other ways, it's also, it's almost unwatchably uh, melodramatic. It's, it's poverty is, uh, is evident in in almost every way you, you, you think about it. You can tell it was put together in a hurry and and that they've run out of money, but you know, Given that, not a bad effort. Not a yeah. bad effort. So, you know, right. three three bags of water. I'm going to give three draped circles on the wall that because I don't think they were actually there. I think they were fabric painted with circles on the wall because that's it what it kind of looked like. Yep. <laughs> I'm so, afraid that's because that's what it is. Okay, cool. So I'm going to yeah. give those draped circles of the wall Three, because I like the round things. I love uh, the round things. I love the round things. So for that alone, I'm giving it three round things circled <laughs> on the wall in fabric yes. nonetheless. Actually, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I'm going to give it a 0.5 for some melodramatic fainting. Yes. Mm. Yes. That's something that we're trained to do as actors. If you if you go to, to acting school as I have, that's a skill they teach you. You think about it. That's a concrete floor they're falling down on. Yeah. And uh, you got to know how to do it. And I, I was admiring the way uh, William Russell does it. Uh, he'd already been in an action adventure series before this. So I, you know, he, I, he knew how to fall. But, yeah, you, you can really hurt yourself if you don't do it right. But Carolyn Ford knew how to do it, too. Oh, oh, I want to give uh, props to the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger was good. That's a you pretty know. good one. Yeah. If you were, if you were getting bored when we got the yeah. cliffhanger, he was like, "What the what?" And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, on Seska says uh, on her uh, uh, reaction video, she pointed out that it's that they framed that so that it's not clear whose hands those are. Yeah, yeah. and they had just been talking about an intruder. So yeah, so yeah. I like that. And then beginning of the next episode, it's Ian doing that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not not bad. It's not bad. Well, you know, one thing I want to mention right before we wrap up, because I actually forgot to mention it. Considering the fact this was the third story from Doctor Who, when we got to the cliffhanger of that first episode, if you didn't know better, I could imagine people watching it when it was first airing, wondering, is this Doctor, is this main character, is he fixing to do something sinister? Because they painted that look at the thing he was doing, like, what is he fixing to do? Is he not really a good guy? 
Yeah. Well, they, they really did early on want to sort of play uh, a kind of moral ambiguity about him. And, and, and you're right. That's why that line about, uh, you know, one man's law is another man's crime is, is so is, is so appropriate for him. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I do things according to my own rules. So, yeah, we really don't know what he's there at the he's 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 drugged everybody else. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's at the console by himself. What is he about to do? Anybody yeah. want something to drink? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm like, y'all I'm not going to spit this out. Of <laughs> right. Any. Uh, well, at least, uh, at least he didn't go the route of some other people that we know that would, or not know, but we know about that would <laughs> offer people drinks. So anyway, where else <laughs> might you guys be found okay. on the internet? Where else Cause might you deep cut? Huh? <laughs> Yeah, I'll get that. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> no, that. no, it was good. Keep it in. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. So, guys, where else might you be found on the internet? And Lee, I'll start with you. I'm going to keep pushing people towards uh, the uh, my rollicking space sci-fi adventure serial Relativity, which stars the three of us among a, 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 an ever-increasing number of other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, find out all about it at RelativityPodcast.com. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So, Mr. Clarence Brown, where else might you be found on the Internet? I'm going to point people to another podcast I do called Techpedition, and that can be found at www.techpedition.com, where... We are fixing to ramp back up. We've taken a bit of a hiatus, but we've got another bit of time now. So <laughs> look for new content on that uh, podcast station. I've, I've missed Tech Pedition, so that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And as, as have I, as have I, because I've learned stuff that I didn't know. And that's cool. Oh, me too. I always love yeah. learning stuff. And considering the fact that we are learning this week that Diamond comic book distributors are no longer distributing for the time being after this particular week or next week, I believe. So that being said, if you want to know more about that and are fans of comic books and sci-fi related movies and television shows, check us out at discussingcomics.com. So, gentlemen, this has been fun. I can't wait until we review our next Doctor Who story. And I'm thankful for everyone listening that you are safe. You're listening to us. And I can't wait to have another episode of Discussing Who for you guys to listen to. So, with that being said, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. 